Welcome to the Financial Leverage Point, hosted by John Iannucci, founder and CEO of ILG Private Wealth. In this podcast, we dive deep into the world of financially successful families. We offer candid advice on how to navigate the maze of strategies and products designed to protect, grow, and transition your wealth to your family, friends, and the causes you care deeply about. Join John and his guest experts as they unveil the crucial elements of comprehensive tax, estate, business succession, and financial planning. Strategies designed to give you sleep through the night confidence while maintaining a steady flow of wealth for you and your heirs. John, I understand you're going to share with our listeners the four critical financial checkups that they should regularly have done on their investments. Uh, kind of like a, an annual physical exam, correct? Exactly. You know, just as critically important as it is to have an annual physical exam with your primary care physician, it's vitally important that you have four tests that we're going to talk about today performed on your investments. All right, then go for it. Expand on these tests, please. And why are they important? Love to. So, so definitely, let me begin by explaining how I realized new clients weren't having these tests performed by their prior advisors and the potential risks that they were unknowingly subjecting themselves to. In the, the first tests, two of them, that we perform when interviewing a potential new client involve both their risk score and their risk tolerance. Okay. Risk score. Yes. I've heard of that. Mm -hmm. What is risk tolerance? So, so most clients have been asked at one time or another. In fact, I think FINRA actually requires that advisors and brokers subject their clients to a risk score questionnaire regularly. So they know what that is. You know, it's, a risk score questionnaire is a series of questions to determine how much risk a client is willing to assume. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those risk score questionnaires can vary quite a bit. The, the best ones, I think, try to evaluate how much downside you're willing to risk in order to achieve a desired return on your investments. By way of example, a risk score questionnaire may ask if you're willing to risk a loss of, say, 15%, of the value of your investments in order to achieve an 8% return. And so typically a client will pare down the potential risk of loss to determine how much gain may be possible. It's like an old fashioned seesaw. More downside risk should lead to more upside potential. Does that make sense from a risk score perspective? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so risk tolerance, but, but how mm -hmm. is it different from your risk score? Great question. And clients ask me that all the time. So you know, your risk score is a subjective test and the client evaluates how much potential downside they're willing to risk to achieve that desired return on their investments. Risk tolerance, however, is a bit more objective. Through risk tolerance, we, we attempt to analyze the impact of risk on the client's lifestyle, their retirement income, their estate plan. You know, for instance, a client might think he or she's willing to assume a loss of 12%, in order to achieve a return of 9%. But when we take it a step further to evaluate the actual impact of a 12% loss on their annual retirement income, their perspective has a tendency to quickly change, right? Yeah, right? So as clients age and they approach or enter retirement, their risk score may not change in their minds initially, particularly where they have 
they've achieved really great results over the last 12 years. And we've been riding this incredible bull market for the last 12 years. You know, they've ridden out market crashes in the past and they recovered very well. But when they're in that that critical five-year period before retirement and the five-year period just after they retire, and we demonstrate the impact and importance of the sequence of returns during that critical 10-year period, their actual risk tolerance strongly suggests that they adopt a more conservative investment strategy. Got it. So risk score then is the risk you think you're willing to assume, but risk (laughs) tolerance is the amount of risk you should assume given your current circumstances. Exactly right. It's imperative that clients evaluate the potential impact of risk and determine how their lifestyle and retirement and estate plans can be impacted. As circumstances change, it's very important to adjust your risk score and risk tolerance accordingly. At some point, you know, they should match. You should be assuming and willing to assume the amount of risk that your risk tolerance says you should assume. All right, got it. So mm-hmm. the first two tests, risk mm-hmm. score, risk right. tolerance. Okay, right. what's next? So the next test out of our four tests is our investment stress test. And, you know, every, <laughs> I can't tell you how many clients and parents of clients are talking about how, how they have to go in for a stress test, you know, to check their heart. And mm-hmm. just like having a stress test to evaluate how your heart functions under stress, it's really critical to regularly subject your investments to a stress test. All right. I know banks have to undergo stress tests, and you say people mm-hmm. undergo stress tests, but mm-hmm. I have never heard of an investment stress test. What does it look like? Well, you know, you're not you're not uncommon in that fact. When we talk about an investment stress test, our new clients have no idea what we're talking about and candidly have never had or subjected their investments to an investment stress test. I've yet to meet a new client uh, that reviewed a stress test of their current portfolio. That's really shocking to me. And it's shocking that they've never seen such an important test. You know, a stress test for your investments looks at the historic data to determine how your individual investments reacted in the past to various market conditions. You know, no one has a crystal ball. So the best we can do is look at how your stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and other investments reacted in the past when subjected to different stressors. Mm -hmm. You know, for instance, we look at how a client's investments reacted during recent market crashes, like the ones we experienced in 2000, 2008, and 2020. We look at how those various holdings reacted to dramatic swings in interest rates. You know, maybe Silicon Valley Bank should have had a stress test of their investments. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and as a part of that stress test, we'll run Monte Carlo scenarios to evaluate how a client's investments perform under pressure. And one of the key metrics that develop out of a properly designed investment stress test is the Kelmar ratio. Hmm. You know, the Kelmar ratio, it's a measure of risk-adjusted returns. You know, basically, how well did the investment perform given the amount of downside risk you've assumed? The higher the Kelmar ratio, the better the risk-adjusted return. It's just one of a series of possible investment performance tests we use to measure a client's risk-adjusted return. Just a quick question. How long does this take, John? Well, you know, it, it really doesn't take that long. Really, the longest 
part of, of all of these tests is getting the reports that we need, we need, the statements that we need from our clients that show the individual holdings. And then we upload those into the various proprietary software systems mm-hmm. that we have to run these various tests and then subject these tests to various different scenarios. It doesn't take that long. Typically, within three days, we can have a complete stress test completed. And in addition to the stress test, we can certainly have all of our clients' other tests compiled to give them a a compiled report as to what it all looks like. All right. So we have the risk score test, the risk tolerance test, and an investment stress test. That's three. What's the fourth? Well, so the fourth critical test that we think our listeners should have performed in their plans is what I call the fiduciary fee test. Uh, so okay. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, I made that name up. <laughs> so what what is the fiduciary fee test, right? Uh-huh. Everyone claims to be a fiduciary these days. We've had multiple podcasts talking about how I can't stand how everybody claims to be, you know, a fiduciary. In, in fact, there's so much confusion over who's truly acting at all times like a fiduciary and under the fiduciary standard it's difficult to trust that anyone is acting as a true fiduciary. You know, our experience with new clients has confirmed that almost no one knows what they're actually paying for their investment advice. In fact, over the last three years, the only client that actually knew what she was paying for fees wasn't paying for an investment, any investment advice. She was the model do-it-yourself investor, right? Oh, got it, got it. <laughs> right. She was picking her own investments and using a platform that only charged a nominal fee in various circumstances. So she wasn't paying an investment advisor fee because she didn't have a professional advising her on her investments. Literally, every other client over the last three years did not know what they were paying their prior advisor in fees and expenses. And I, I think really, again, the best way for me to to give you uh, you know an example of how this has worked is a client recently that I recently onboarded had a had accumulated a very nice portfolio of about five million dollars, and when I asked them what fee they were paying, they thought they were paying about one point two five percent all in for their investment advice. So w- once I got the statements that I needed to evaluate what they were being billed for an investment fee. And we evaluated that the investment advisor fee was actually 2.98%. But wait, there's more. Oh, you know, in addition to an investment advisor fee of 2.98%, they were paying the following fees and commissions and expenses. They had something called step out trade fees, where a broker would effectuate certain trades using a different brokerage. And so They had to charge an additional fee to use that brokerage, particularly with international trades. And from their statements, they had 40 of those trades in one alone. Wow. Right. They were also paying an ADR, an American Depository Receipt Fee, of $50 for certain investments under $15,000 per per transaction. And, you know, ADRs oftentimes offer U.S. investors a way to purchase stock in overseas companies that otherwise couldn't be available. And they had a number of those fees every month. They also paid ADR custody fees, ADR dividend payment fees, and ADR termination fees, right? Wow. 
Right. So when you buy, when you trade, when you sell, yeah. whatever, there's a fee there on these ADRs? Every time. They paid a separate management fee of 2% for their 529 plan, their college plan for their grandchildren. One of their funds had a management fee of 1.25% annually on the net asset value, an incentive fee of 12.5% of their net investment income, Oh my. 12% of realized gains net of unrealized or realized losses. So their net gains were subjected to a 12% fee. They had an upfront payment placement fee of 3.5% and a distribution and servicing fee of 85 basis points or nearly 85% of 1% right. servicing fee annually, right? That's and adding up then, very quickly. Yeah, of course. You know, one of their investments in a non-publicly traded real estate investment trust had a 3.5% upfront commission and an 85 basis point stockholder servicing fee, another 1.25% management fee, a performance participation fee of 12.5% on annual total return with a 5% annual hurdle amount and a high water mark with ketchup. I mean, it was insane. And when we totaled all those fees and averaged them out, he thought he was paying 1.25%. And in fact, between combined fees, commissions, expenses, he was paying 6% annually for his wow. broker and his $5 million account. Wow. That's incredible. Right. Exactly. That performance and, participation allocation fee sounds like a trophy that every kid gets. Exactly. It sounds like, right. Yeah. It sounds like we should have a model on the wall with somebody <laughs> really posed. Right. It's just, uh, he was in a state of shock. He had been with this broker for 12 years and actually thought this broker was his friend. And I said, well, he may be a great friend, but I'd be your great friend too if you were paying me 6% ah, yes. to manage your $5 million account. Yeah. Okay. So, now that I'm getting my breath back here, mm -hmm. <laughs> let's round up these, these, uh, review these four tests that investors should have performed regularly. It's Absolutely. Risk score test. Right. Risk tolerance test. Right. Investment stress test. And. Right. Right. Fiduciary fee test, which I find to be just astounding. It is astounding, right? It's nothing short of horrendous, actually. I mean, and those four tests, when properly designed, really provide investors with a very good opportunity to meet their investment, retirement, and estate planning goals. You know, it's it's critical that on a regular basis they they review and analyze all four of those tests. This is something that you do once you know, do it, set it and forget it. It's not the rope Ron Popeil test. You know, it's, <laughs> you really have to regularly revisit each one of these four tests. How often should they be done? Patrice, I think the answer is kind of similar to how often a client should have their estate plan reviewed. You know, at a minimum, all of the four critical tests should be run at least every three years. You know, that being said, Tests should also be rerun every time a significant life event occurs. So, for instance, if a client decides to retire in the next five years, all four tests should be run immediately with follow-up tests run on the scheduled retirement date and each year thereafter for the next five years. Mm -hmm. Obviously, on the death of a spouse, run all four of those tests and rerun them every three years. Keep a firm hold, firm handle and analysis on those four tests. If a client wants to evaluate the sale of a family-owned business, run the tests. 
you know, anytime you have a life-changing event, we should revisit all four of those tests. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I can even see a good argument for doing it every year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we do have some clients that would like to revisit them every year. And so we actually do that. We, we, we compile a, a, a report that takes all of these four tests, compares it to the last year's you know, tests. Mm-hmm. And we talk about any changes in their life, their retirement, their estate plan, and then determine if any of these four tests should be adjusted. The results of the four tests should be adjusted. All right. Now, uh, a little bird told me you have a special offer for listeners. Ab- absolutely. You know, we're happy to run all four of those tests for any of our listeners. And again, there's never an obligation to work with ILG Private Wealth. But I've got to admit, if your current broker advisor hasn't been running these critical tests as a part of your relationship, you know, what are they hiding? Why would you stay with that broker advisor? Don't you deserve more? You know, Patrice, we've talked about it many times on our podcast. We think that ILG Private Wealth provides so much more than just wealth management. We are so much more a service to our clients than picking stocks and mutual funds and buying and selling. There's so much more that goes into effective wealth management for successful clients. And that's why we think clients deserve more. That's why we're willing to offer all four of these tests free with no obligation to any of our listeners. Well, how can they arrange to have these tests run? All they need to do is reach out to us at wecanhelpyou.com and request the four tests. Never an obligation to work with us. We're happy to not only provide a report for each of those four tests, but we'll coordinate a call or a meeting if they happen to be in one of our cities and actually sit down and review the results of those tests with them. They can take those test results and go back to their current advisor or broker and adjust their investments accordingly. Or we can talk about what it would be like to actually work with ILG Private Wealth. All right, John, give me that address one more time for listeners. Absolutely. Wecanhelpyou.com. We'd love for our listeners to reach out. We're more than happy to run these tests for them and demonstrate to them the importance of all four of these tests. All right, listeners, you now have access to these tools, so it's up to you to use them. Follow John's podcast, The Financial Leverage Point, for more tools and insight. And of course, share this podcast with others. I'm Patrice Sikora with Johnny Anucci. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to The Financial Leverage Point. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. To contact John, check out the show notes where you'll find his contact information and useful resources from today's episode. Once again, thank you for listening. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of John Iannucci. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.